0: What do you think the most pressing issue in healthcare is to you right now? I definitely think the most pressing issue in healthcare right now is reproductive rights, abortion rights, and access to maternal
1: care. This is Pulse Check. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. During the Politico Healthcare Summit yesterday, we asked some of the attendees what the most pressing issue in healthcare is.
2: I think it's cost. Costs are rising too high. And I think also that's a place where there's the most consensus among Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. And it's making it very difficult for regular people. People feel like we're spending more and getting less.
1: There's a lot to talk about with nutrition equity. Actually getting technology into the BIPOC community. Merck is,
0: you know, entering a lawsuit to deal with the process of price negotiating of the drugs.
2: Drug shortages feel very front of mind right now and require such intense coordination.
1: We also snagged Congressman Jamal Bowman.
2: Just one? Okay, I'll give you one. Money. We need universal healthcare, a single-payer system, where everyone has access to healthcare free of charge.
1: The summit was focused on the forces shaping the future of healthcare. Later, you'll hear from reporter Carmen Pawn about her major takeaways. But first, I talked with Ashish Jha. Jha is the White House COVID-19 response coordinator who will be vacating his position soon. The Biden administration is still looking for a new coordinator to replace him. All right, let's make it sure. All right, great. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Really quickly, just to, to get it out there, if you could grade the White House response and the federal government response to the COVID-19 pandemic, if you are going to grade it like a report card, what would you give it?
2: Well, I think it varies substantially based on the two different administrations. I think under the president's leadership, if you look at the facts and get to the bottom line, we've gotten almost 90% of American adults with at least one vaccine dose, 250 million or so Americans vaccinated, lots of treatments, lots of testing, replenished the stockpile. My My point is, like the key things you'd want to get done, we got it done under this administration, so I would give it an A. Previous administration, I think, struggled with some of these issues, and so I'm not going to grade them, but I will tell you that I feel like we've driven this response with science and data, and I think it has made a big difference.
1: And we have a minute to breathe right now as the pandemic transitions into a more endemic phase. What do you think that the federal government should be doing while we have this space so we're not caught unprepared when the next public health crisis comes?
2: Yeah. So I think we need a a multi-prime strategy here. One is COVID is not over. We may very well see surges in the future and we should be prepared for those. And we know how to be prepared, right? Rapid building of vaccines, treatments, tests, PPE, making sure we do all that. And that has been a major focus of our preparation work. And then obviously we could have a pandemic with a totally different virus. And so making sure that we've taken the lessons of building those tools, communicating effectively, and being ready for that future pandemic, that is also a really critical piece of work that is ongoing that we're doing right now.
1: One of the things that we've talked about at this healthcare summit today has been the cost of healthcare. And I'm wondering if we could pivot a little bit. We've seen a lot of pushback both from industry and some legislators against the Inflation Reduction Act. And I'm wondering what you see as the future for that law. And also, how is the White House going to keep prescription drug costs in line?
2: So a couple of things. I mean, first of all, Americans pay more for prescription drugs than any other people in the world. Buy a lot. And what this law did was it got us going towards like bringing some of those costs under control and does it in a very measured way. It's not across the board. It targets specific number of drugs. And I think it's a really important step forward. And I will tell you that prescription drugs is what hits people's pocketbooks the most. And so Americans are acutely aware there are broader pricing and cost problems in the American healthcare system. But I think this was a very important step forward. And the administration is committed to executing on that law.
1: What are the qualities that you think are most important for the next person who takes on your role at the White House?
2: Yes, yeah, so we're going to be bringing in a, a director of, uh, of the Office of Pandemic Preparedness. And obviously, there's a whole set of, of traits that are important for that office. Now, the director does not have to have all of them. In fact, probably there's no human that has every quality that an office needs. But important things are understanding how government works, state and, and federal government, understanding how our public health system is structured, being able to communicate effectively. Those are all important things. But one of the things I always remind people is there's no one person who has everything. So you want to make sure that the director, a Beauty, the rest of the team. The team fills out all of the traits that are necessary. You don't need to find the magical unicorn that has everything in them. Certainly understanding how the government works and, and being able to move things forward in terms of the federal government or having state experience or some set of experiences that allow the person to be effective in the role. Because at the end of the day, effectiveness happens with teams. Leader is very, very important, but it's really the team that accomplishes a goal.
1: As a public health expert and as someone with a background in academia, you could have any data set in the world, real or yet to come to fruition, what would it be? Wow.
2: So look, data is obviously the lifeblood of pandemic response of any public health response. The data that I think brings together public health data from labs and from public health agencies with healthcare system data from Medicare, from major health systems. If we can find a way to bring all of that together, and there's a lot of work happening in that, it would make an enormous difference in our ability to understand what's happening in communities, what's happening in the healthcare system, how do we continue to do a better job protecting people?
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And for the big takeaways on the conference, I'm joined by Politico's Carmen Pond. Hey, Catherine, thanks for having me. Okay, so we talked about a lot of things at this summit, but what do you think were the biggest takeaways? What was what was present in each of the panel discussions?
0: I think there was a combination of people being realistic about where we are from a political point of view. Uh, we are in a divided government, so, you know, each side's uh, priorities might be harder to materialize into law, but at the same time, I also felt people were optimistic about this moment in time, three years after the pandemic started, you know, shortly after the public health emergency ended about where we're going and people still are considering solutions and are optimistic that they're going to be able to implement them in the near future.
1: And, you know, you got the chance to talk specifically about racial inequities in the US and in the healthcare system. What were some of the things that you took away from the panel that, that you were on, particularly with regard to, um, you know, the opioid crisis, which you've covered a lot?
0: Yes, that was a very interesting panel, and not because I moderated it, but also because a few people came to me after to say how important the topic was to them and how much they enjoyed the conversation and how happy they were that we were talking about it. I think what I found really interesting was what the Deputy Governor of Illinois, Sol Flores, was saying about you know addressing things that we don't typically think of as healthcare, such as public safety and housing as a health issue, because those issues do affect uh, people of color disproportionately compared to white people and they obviously affect their health if you don't have stable housing. If you don't feel safe to go out on the streets, um, that would affect your mental health. It, you know, eventually that also affects your your physical health. So I found that interesting. I feel like there is at times a shift towards looking at providing healthcare in a more holistic way, looking at what people call the social determinants of health, all the other things that impact someone's life and their healthcare, than what we have typically thought of as healthcare. Obviously, I found Representative Bauman, the Democrat of New York, you know, very passionate speech about how this is centuries of discrimination against people of color that have to be undone and that's really hard but he he seemed optimistic that you know by voting the right people in place that could actually happen in the near future you know people are very passionate about the topic it is definitely something really hard to work on because as he said, and as we're all aware, um, this has been in the making for, for decades, in some cases for centuries. So untangling all that and actually making sure that everyone has equal access to healthcare and equal rights and opportunities is, is a lot of work. They are hoping to see improvements in the next few years, but obviously the, the, the political environment in, in DC, but also the work that states are doing, as we saw from uh, what Deputy Governor Flores was saying, is, is important in you know diminishing, at least this, this racial disparities in health.
1: So, you had a chance to talk with folks who are more focused on racial inequities in the US healthcare system. That's obviously a huge topic. What were some of the things you learned from that discussion?
0: So I found very interesting what Secretary Javier Becerra was saying at the end of our summit about the projects that ARPA-H, the new agency, is investing in about, you know, looking at whether, you know, the human body can actually regenerate its own joints. I found that fascinating. You always kind of hope that you will not need so much care that your body can basically heal itself and that's you know regenerating your own joints and as we know that that's a problem as people age is you know for me it's quite mind-blowing so I do hope that they find that we can do that and you know we don't need to have all the all the treatment and all the pain that usually comes with joint issues
1: yeah that's so cool well thank you so much for uh, joining us today Carmen
0: thank you for having me Catherine
1: and that's our show our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. Subscribe and follow PulseCheck for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and
0: Prescription Pulse.
1: Thanks for listening.